the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Now today we want to conclude our study of these principles by looking at a seventh principle of biblical ministry, and that's this. Those who minister for Christ must be prepared for rejection of the gospel. Folks, it just goes with the territory. You've got to be prepared for it, and Christ tells us how to prepare. Let's face it, rejection hurts. When we share Christ or invite someone to our church or small group and they say no, They are really rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, but the rejection seems to splatter onto us as well, doesn't it? Several years ago, our small group actually made it into sort of a contest for a while. We'd report the rejections we had gotten during the week as we invited co-workers and others to visit our small group. Then we would vote to see which was the most lame excuse for not coming. I think the all-time winner was someone who could not come that evening because they had to clean their closets. I guess we all have our priorities. But seriously, the seemingly constant rejection we hear when we share Christ can really get to us. Many people just give up witnessing. Why bother when everyone says they're not interested? Let's think about that question as pastor teacher Steve Kreloff leads us in another verse-by-verse Bible study. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for more than 26 years. Now his preaching and teaching ministry has grown to include these daily Bible classes. For the past week or so, we have been considering the instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples before sending them out on their first missionary journey. They were brief instructions and very specific to that event, But we have been finding out that those words recorded in Matthew chapter 10 are full of useful principles for modern Christ followers as well. Let's see how this passage helps us prepare for rejection. Here is Pastor Steve. If you can recall the first time you witnessed to someone about Christ, you were probably nervous, certainly excited, and probably apprehensive about how to communicate the gospel in a way that sounded clear and intelligent. Although I don't remember my first attempt at witnessing for the Lord, I do recall the first time someone prayed with me to accept Christ. I was a brand new believer at the University of South Florida attending there, and a Jewish young man knocked on my dormitory room door and asked if he could asked me some questions about Jesus. He must have heard that I was Jewish and a believer in in Jesus, and so he sought me out. And to my amazement, after telling him everything, and I mean everything I knew about the Bible and Jesus, which wasn't that much, this young man proceeded to pray with me to receive Christ. And I can still remember the incredible thrill 
that I felt at not only seeing this man open his heart to the Lord, but just at the, the mere thought that God would, would use me to actually lead him to Christ. And, and when this young man left my dorm room, all I could do was get on my knees and thank the Lord for allowing me the privilege of introducing another, another individual to Christ. Now, I wish I could say that all of my witnessing experiences, or even most of my witnessing experiences since then, have ended gloriously with someone praying to receive Christ. But that, that hasn't been the case. And while the Lord over the years has allowed me the joy of introducing some people to Him, the overwhelming majority of people that I've witnessed to have not only rejected the gospel, but sometimes have been hostile in their rejection and refusal to come to Christ. Now, I don't think you ever get used to receiving rejection or a negative reaction to your witness for the Lord. It it can be a bit unnerving, especially the first time you experience this, because spiritual rejection is unique. But it's important to understand that as a follower of Jesus Christ, it means that you cannot escape these hostile encounters with those who refuse him. It is inevitable that as you witness for Christ, you will invite some positive, but mostly negative responses. And therefore, all of us, if you're a believer in Christ, all of us need to be prepared for those adverse reactions of the gospel. And one of the great places in Scripture designed by God to prepare us for these negative reactions is Matthew chapter 10. So I invite you to turn to the gospel of Matthew in the 10th chapter. We've been in this chapter for a while. It isn't new to us. It's a chapter in which we're told the revelation of Christ to his apostles. For the very first time, he is preparing them for their missionary endeavor. They are about to go on a missions trip, a tour of Galilee, evangelizing the Jewish community of the region, the northern region of Israel known as the Galilee. And this is the first time they're going to do this. They are novice missionaries. They, only a few months prior to this, were called to be apostles. They've only been observers of Christ's ministry, but now they're going to be thrust into it. And and they need to be prepared for the refusals that are going to come. Now, as we've come to discover from our previous studies in this chapter, Matthew chapter 10 not only tells the apostles about their missionary work, but there are abiding principles for us. There there are unique things in this chapter uniquely for the apostles, and that's why it has such a Jewish flavor in its context, but there are broad principles that apply to us. But one of the things that Jesus wanted his men and wants all of us to understand is that in evangelizing and sharing the gospel with others, we can expect some hostile reactions. Notice, for example, what he has to say in uh, chapter 10, verse 16. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. Notice verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Notice verse 25, it is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. They have called the head of the house Beelzebub, which essentially means Lord of the dung heap. How much more will they malign the members of his household? You see verse 28, 
Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Those who kill the body are those who hate the gospel and at times will kill out of hatred. And then he says some more things at the end of the chapter about not bringing peace, but really a sword. And so throughout this chapter, we are told to prepare for hostile reactions to the gospel. Now, the apostles were not going to receive this like quite like this on their first missions journey. They're going to get some, some negative reaction, but they're not going to be thrown in prison. They're not going to be scourged. Not now. That's coming. And this whole chapter then is designed to tell the apostles about their immediate trip, but also it opens up and, and broadens to apply to all of us as Christians throughout the ages in church history of witnessing for Christ. And so these verses have very important preparatory information that our Lord gave, but not just about persecution. He also is telling them how to build their ministry in a biblical fashion. And so he's told them, for example, who they should evangelize and what the content of their message will be and that their preaching will be accompanied by supernatural miracles so as to confirm them as witnesses. They're not to charge any money for their preaching or miracles. They shouldn't uh, even take any money or extra supplies with them on this trip. And, And in analyzing these verses, we've said that, as I just mentioned, there are timeless principles that apply to us. Now, I won't take the time to belabor the point. You can get the previous messages on this, but let me just tell you very briefly what these, uh, and there are six of them, these are principles to build a biblical ministry upon. This, these are the principles of a biblical ministry, not, not a ministry that looks at the latest book and gets a, you know, a fashion of, uh, of how to have ministry, not a ministry based on seeker-sensitive principles, not a ministry based on on worldly considerations and church growth and practical things, pragmatism, but this is ministry based on the Bible. Number one, the first broad principle is to be focused. Focus with single-mindedness, concentrating on our areas of strength. We must also, second principle, proclaim him as Lord and King. It's a message of the King and, and his kingdom. And so we call people to trust Christ as Savior, but also to follow him as Lord. A biblical ministry also establishes credibility, not through miracles today, because those were signs of an apostle, but we establish credibility by the way we live. We are to reflect the very character of Christ, and people should see that. A fourth biblical principle is we never charge for our services. Ministry is exactly that. It's it's ministry. Ministry is based on grace. Freely, Christ has given us certain abilities to serve him, and freely we use those abilities to serve others. And then fifth, we rely on him to provide for our needs. We don't charge, but we rely on him to provide for our needs. And he'll do that, he says, through the thoughtfulness and generosity and sensitivity of God's people, because he said the worker is worthy of his support, and God's people should know that. The sixth principle, which we looked at last week, is that we need to be content with God's provisions. God does provide, but for some, he provides more than others. And for whatever he provides for you, you are to be content. Now, today, we want to conclude our study of these principles by looking at a seventh principle of biblical ministry, and that's this. Those who minister for Christ must be prepared for rejection of the gospel. Folks, it just goes with the territory. You've got to be prepared for it. And Christ tells us how to prepare. Beginning at verse 12 and then into verse 13, we begin to unpack these last few verses. 
He says in verse 12, as you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. Now, in the previous verse, which I want to read to you, verse 11, notice this. Jesus said, whenever and whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. In this verse, verse 11, Jesus said that when the apostles who would be traveling in twos, not not 12, they wouldn't all come together, but in, in a pair of twos, as they came to a city or a village, they were to find a fellow disciple. I take it that's what he means by inquire who is worthy in it. Ask around, see if there's a fellow Christian there. And if there is, then stay with that person. Lodge there for the duration of your ministry in that town or village. But he moves on. So far, so good. If they accepted the disciples, then they could proceed with their ministry. But what if the household rejected them? Jesus was just about to tell them what to do, and we'll see how that applies to our own witnessing experiences in a minute. If you just found us on your radio, welcome. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are studying Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. These verses contain Jesus' instructions to his trainee apostles before he sent them on their first trip. Now here is Pastor Steve with the rest of today's lesson. Now that they know how to take care of their housing. Because remember, back in those days, there were no hotels and motels like we know it today. They did have some inns, but they were usually quite filthy and places of extreme immorality. So a believer wouldn't really want to stay there. But now that that these disciples, these apostles know the way to determine the lodging for their stay in, in a village, they needed direction as to how to conduct their ministry. So now that they know where they're staying, what do they do? How do, they, how do they move amongst the people? And that's what verse 12 tells us about. Jesus said that they are to carry on their ministry by proclaiming the gospel of his kingdom and the kingship to the people. And he, and he lays it out for them. He says, as you enter the house, give it your greeting. Now, the house that he's talking about in this verse, keep this in mind, is not the same house where they're staying. He's moved on. And that, and that, if we don't clarify that, that might be a little confusing. This verse is talking about conducting their ministry of visiting the various homes in each village. It's not talking about the home that they've just entered to stay in. That's their lodging. But now he's talking about conducting their ministry as they go house to house in the various villages. They would enter a house, sit down with each householder and uh, family in order to explain the gospel to them. So keep that in mind. As you visit, in other words, as you visit the various homes, go house to house in the particular town, he says, upon entering each house, you are to offer the, the very familiar Hebrew greeting and blessing of peace. So in other words, he's saying, as you walk through the door, when you enter that home, say, shalom, shalom upon this house. Shalom means peace. But more than peace, it means well-being. Now, it's very easy. Let me explain to just say a word, shalom. It's kind of like in our day and age, we say, hey, how's it going? And frankly, nobody really cares what you answer. It's just a kind of a knee-jerk reaction. I have had the experience a few years ago of someone in this church, actually, and you're all going to be thinking, is it I? Is it I? Who uh, on a Sunday morning said, hey, how's it going? I said, not too good. And this individual said, great, glad to hear that. And so obviously... This person didn't listen to me, and now you're all going to be thinking, could, could it have been me? 
One of you did that to me. But anyway, um, when the apostles were to say shalom, it was not to be a rote expression, just shalom. And actually, if you've ever been to Israel and you, and you would uh, meet or pass an Israeli on the street, it's very common to just say shalom. That's what they do. But the apostles were really to mean it. They were really to say that we've come in God's peace and in our desire is to bring God's peace and total well-being to this household by telling you about the Prince of Peace, about Jesus Christ, who the only one who brings true peace. That's what he's talking about. He brings true peace. Jesus said, you enter a home, that's what you say. Shalom, peace be upon this house. But notice, Jesus said, if they do not accept this peace, if they're not interested in this peace, if they're, in other words, if they're not interested in the gospel, then notice what he said in verse 13. He goes on to say, but if it is not worthy, if this house is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Now, this is a very, very bold statement by Jesus, and immediately it ought to raise some questions in our minds. Two ought to come quickly to your, to your mind. Two ought to stand out. Number one, what exactly did Jesus mean when he said, if the household is not worthy? That's what we have to first determine, because if we don't understand that, we're not going to understand what he's talking about. In other words, what constitutes a household worthy or unworthy of God's peace? And second, secondly, what did Jesus mean in telling the disciples to take back their blessing of peace from an unworthy house. How would you ever do this? Would you say shalom to you? Oh, you're not worthy of shalom. I take it back. Well, what would you do? That, that's not awkward. Maybe it is awkward. What do you do? Well, let's answer the first question first. What did Jesus mean by referring to a house that is not worthy? It's not worthy. The answer is that it is a household in which the message of the gospel is not accepted. It's not accepted. They don't want it. They've rejected the only one who can give them peace, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, keep in mind, the peace here is not a good feeling. It's, it's not a tranquil, calm feeling. That's not the peace he's talking about. It's peace with God. People who don't know Christ are at war with God. The war is raging because we're sinners. But when Christ died on the cross, he secured peace for those who believe because the war is over. God's full wrath was poured out on his son and those who accept his son to them, the apostle Paul says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's peace with God. The war is over. That's Romans chapter five, verse one. But if someone continues to reject Christ, then there is no hope for them to ever have God's peace. That's the only way to have God's peace. And once the apostles entered a home, and began to speak to the family members about Christ, it would become apparent very quickly if these folks were interested in hearing the gospel or not. And if they rejected the message of Christ and the apostles as his true ambassadors, then their house would prove to be unworthy of God's peace. Now, that's what he's talking about. That's the first question answered. They don't want him. What about the second question? What did Jesus mean by telling the apostles to take back the blessing of shalom and peace upon them. Well, it simply means that they were to withdraw this blessing from them. The thought here isn't that they were to say out loud something like, I see you aren't interested in hearing about Christ. I'm taking back my blessing of peace. You can't have God's peace and storm out the door. That's not the thought at all. 
The thought isn't that this household was given God's peace and then they lost it. That's not it. The offer of peace was never received. Therefore, it was withdrawn and it returned. And they didn't have to verbally say this. And it was it returned to the apostles who then would leave that particular home and move on to another home in the village where they offered God's peace to them. That's the thought here. Now, folks, these are some very significant truths, and we want to stop here and apply these truths to us because it raises some issues that we all should have a handle on. First of all, what this indicates is that the gospel is to be offered to all people, regardless of whether they are the elect or not. Now, we talk at Lakeside a lot about God's sovereignty in election, and well, we should because the Bible teaches it. But I want you to notice that Jesus sent the apostles out to visit the various homes in Galilee and all the towns and villages, and there were, a, there were a lot. And he sent them out knowing full well that they would encounter much rejection of the gospel. Knowing full well, because he's God and he knows everything, he knew who the elect were. He knew who would accept him. He knew who would reject him. And yet he didn't tell the apostles who the elect are. He just said, witness to all, and you will encounter rejection from some, in fact, most. So Jesus told them to evangelize many who were not the the elect and therefore would not accept Christ. And this is certainly no different from Christ commanding us to evangelize all, to call all to repentance, even though most of the people we we witness to will not respond to that call because they are not the elect. Now, that is a very, very significant truth, and I'll tell you why. Because it raises the question that's even deeper than this, and why evangelize? Why witness when God has already determined who will be saved? And frankly, there are some Christians who have lost their passion for evangelism because of this very issue. So why should we witness in in light of the, the fact that the Bible does teach that God sovereignly chooses some to believe and others he does not. Well, Dr. R.C. Sproul, the well-known theologian of Ligonier Ministries, has addressed this very issue in a wonderful book that he has written called Chosen by God. He addresses the issue by relating an experience that he had in a seminary class when he was a student many years ago. Here's what Dr. Sproul wrote concerning election and evangelism, and I'm just going to read this to you. He said, I will never forget the terrifying experience of being quizzed on this point by Dr. John Gerstner in a seminary class. There were about 20 of us seated in a semicircle in the classroom, and he posed the question, all right, gentlemen, if God has sovereignly chosen or sovereignly decreed election and reprobation from from all eternity, why should we be concerned about evangelism? Many people have come to the conclusion that missions and evangelism are a waste of time because God has already decided who will be saved and who will not. When the famous missionary pioneer William Carey asked for financial aid, one pastor shouted, Young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid or mine. Thankfully, Carey persisted, and God used him to convert countless heathen as the unsaved were called in those days. We will learn the answer to Dr. Gerstner's question when we return for the next Verse by Verse. Our teacher for these daily Bible classes is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
Pastor Steve has been delivering expository or verse-by-verse messages at Lakeside since 1981. And we at Verse-by-Verse Ministries are pleased to make his messages available through this radio station. Verse-by-Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported through the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who are faithful first to their own local church. If you missed the start of class or would like a friend to be able to hear it, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We not only have today's lesson there, but you will find previous classes on our archives page. You might like to sign up for our free podcasting service while you're at it. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the start of Pastor Steve's concluding message on Jesus' instructions for his disciples' first missions trip. If you would like to hear the entire message without announcements, you can order a cassette tape or an audio CD. Call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Are you still wondering about that question Pastor Steve related at the end of the class? I hope so. It's one of the most important questions you will ever face after you trust Christ as your Savior. Join us for the next verse-by-verse for the answer, and then we will go on to see some of the excuses for rejecting the gospel as listed in the Bible Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.